An epic discovery, an approaching apocalypse. Are we saved or doomed? Hey, Tough Times with Lou Young, live, 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 live here. <laughs> how, are, how you doing? George Potovic's with us. Hey, Lou. Will Hennessy's with us. How's it going? We got a, a, a big show today. Uh, U.S. scientists this week casually announced uh, what some are calling the biggest breakthrough in human history, at least one of them. Uh, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. that's it what they said. Be, it could be that, yet it, it didn't even leave the newscast because, you know, uh, it's it's just a breakthrough and a proof of a performance right. of, a, of a fusion. They were able to ignite uh, some uh, fusion fuel in a laboratory, and uh, that's the process that uh, we believe, or we're being told, that uh, will make fossil fuels absolutely obsolete as we try to wean ourselves off them uh, in the meantime. But that could be decades off. Right. Uh, will the transition make it in time? That's the question. Right. Or will we uh, be, you know... They're take, talking 20, 30 years down the road. Taking a dirt nap by the time it happens. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, so. Uh, uh, so we've got that on the show a little bit later. Because like everybody else, why would we lead the newscast or the, the broadcast with the most one of the most important developments right. in human history? It's a beginning. No, no, we got other stuff to talk about. <laughs> so, cause, because it's, it's not going to affect us tomorrow. So no. we're just, we're, you know, I think collectively as a species, and, and Will, correct me if I'm wrong, we're not that bright. Uh, We're not. You that know bright. what? That might be a an accurate description. Flashes of brilliance, but overall, just not that bright. We try. All right. Uh, so, uh, also on the show tonight, a bit of a local radical activism, right? Well, which uh, I, I may generate some phone calls because uh, it always does. We got Reverend Billy, of course, and the, and the crew. Uh, you know, in the second hour, uh, or whenever we feel like playing it, and. Um, <laughs> He's got some audio from Angela Davis's recent visit to Rockland County here. Uh, that whole um, new McCarthyism thing is what we're calling yeah. it, about uh, can we let a person talk because what they say might be... Influence us. Might influence people. Yeah. I don't get that. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, like... The fr- everybody's got a freedom indoctrinate uh, us yeah yeah whatever uh, you know uh, nobody's saying you got to agree uh, with everything but uh, can we let somebody talk <laughs> and um, that's the whole thing and that's the that's the the woke the woke there's the woke version of that and there's the uh, there's the dramatically unwoke version of that the 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 fast asleep vo- version of that as well uh, on the right, on the left, and uh, and oh, I can say that right, right and left. You can say right and left. Well, that's not in the that's not, that's in, not the in the yeah, okay. vocabulary. That's not our band words. <laughs> not, 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 one, not our band. You know, we got band words. If you say, have if you, you ever call, gotten buzzed yourself on your own show? I think before? I got buzzed once. Oh, yeah. okay. self buzzed. <laughs> but first, but first. Meanwhile, but first, PFAS. PFAS. PFAS, which. Um, it's a yeah they're 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 forever chemicals, and uh, actually you know in the beginning of this week when George was first ta- ta- talking to me about them I was calling him uh, we're we're doing a show about PFAS and they're going <laughs> what uh, PFAS people who know about this stuff know what PFAS mm-hmm. is, and um, apparently, well not apparently mm-hmm. these are chemicals that are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Apparently every human on the planet has got PFAS in their mm-hmm. bloodstream, mm-hmm. and we've only been making them since. Uh, 
what, the 60s, I guess? I don't know when they started. Yeah, yeah they, they go everywhere. Chemicals, yeah. So they've circled the globe. They've, uh, they've uh, uh, inserted themselves in uh, human tissue uh, planet-wide. Uh, Thousands and, of them, yeah. Uh, what they do to us... Uh, and what they, uh, what pe- people think the damage they do, we'll get into a little bit later. You're not going to like any of it, and uh, there's there's discussion about it. But and 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 I'm sure a lot of what these this class of chemicals does, um, we, we don't know yet. Mm-hmm. So there you go. But they're everywhere, so it's a concern. And by everywhere, I mean in our drinking water. All right, mm-hmm. uh, and there's levels of it now that uh, are being uh, set or uh, identified as safe levels mm-hmm. and um, and there's a disconnect between what the feds are saying is safe and what mm-hmm. the state uh, is saying, the, the old the guidelines po- and mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, there's a sort of a disconnect. On the phone we've got Liz Moran, a New York policy advocate uh, who's going to uh, tell us what the disconnect here is on, uh, on Earth, the forever chemicals. With Earth Justice. Earth Justice, right. Okay. Earth Justice. Welcome. Welcome Liz, Liz, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, thanks. You know, you know, PFAS. PFAS. I mean, did I did I need something else to worry about? No, I did not. <laughs> I did not. I did not. I can't sleep at all or at night at all already, Liz. You know, you got to give me a break here. I know. I know. It's, listen, between the climate crisis and so many unregulated chemicals on the market, it's not the best time out here. All right. Tell us basically, um, uh, these chemicals, were, I mean, very little bit is considered very bad. Am I mm-hmm. right? Parts, yeah, that's right. Parts so per trillion? Yeah. We're, we're talking parts per trillion. So that is like... A teeny, teeny speck, if people want to think about it, it's like thinking about, like, a speck of dust in a Olympic swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Like, we're talking real tiny amounts here that are unsafe for public health. Okay, but now but we'll, go, we'll get into what these chemicals are suspected of doing uh, and, um, and how they get into our wa- water uh, a little bit later. But, but now tell us what the level, the, the disconnect between the federal and the state levels uh, are right now and what's happened. Can you, can you give us that? Yeah, so I think the easiest way to provide some context for folks, we can actually start with lead. Most people are aware lead is unsafe at any level, right? Um, but we didn't start out that way. <laughs> levels over time got lower and lower, and lo and behold, it turned out there were absolutely no levels that are safe. So with PFAS, it was long suspected that it was something similar, that there was a good chance that there was no safe level of exposure to these chemicals. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, this past fall, EPA released a new health advisory level for PFOA and PFOS, two of the chemicals in the class of family under the PFAS category. Mm-hmm. And they found essentially zero is the safe level. So they are pretty much confirming there is likely no safe level of exposure to these contaminants. But but uh, can we find water that has no PFAS in it? It's probably pretty rare. Now we can find levels that are non-detect. So I'm going to explain that. And there's non-detectable. A bit of a I, I think I think we understand that uh, at least from those uh, those commercials. Well, we can't we can't test for it. In other words, right? yeah, it's still there, but you right. can't. Yeah, yeah, but it's lower than exactly. Yeah. So non-detect doesn't mean it's not there. Right now, testing capabilities 
for most PFAS, hover around two to four parts per trillion. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, if it's non-detect, it might be lower than those levels, but there might be some okay. amount. Okay, so so what's what? Uh, g- g- give me the, state has its Give own. me the give me the the, the, what, the difference between the state and the federal uh, level before we bring in on uh, somebody from uh, the water company. All right. Sure. So, uh, the, what EPA has released is a health advisory level. This is a non-legally enforceable guidance. Mm-hmm. Um, but what New York State is looking at is known as a maximum contaminant level. This is a legally enforceable guidance mm-hmm. for drinking water. This is what water operators have to test at, and if it exceeds that level, they could have a violation, but they have to make sure they have an action plan to reduce their levels, right. to lower them. So NCLs uh, don't usually align with um, the health advisory level because they have limitations based on oh, technological capabilities. That said, it's important to get as close as possible. And what New York State has recommended is far higher than what we know is technologically feasible. I see. So give me give me the difference in the numbers. I mean, how how much higher do you think they are? Yeah, so they're quite a bit higher. Um, Define quite a bit, please. (laughs) So for the remind folks, the health advisory level is basically zero. It's point zero zero four parts per trillion for PFOS, point zero zero two parts per trillion. PFOA, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, so very, very low levels. New York State has recommended a combined maximum contaminant level for six different PFAS at 30 parts per trillion. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so so th- essentially 30 versus nothing or essentially nothing. Right. Right. All right. All right. And all right, all right. 30 higher than what other states are doing also right. provide that kind. Okay, now we have a uh, have a list of uh, um, uh, communities here that uh, that are have a that are probably a little higher than we'd like. Let's put it that way. And they are George. You got that there? I have the ones that are meeting higher standards than what we're doing. Massachusetts. No, Maine, no, 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 no. The the ones that were the. Um, Oh, for God's sakes. He shouldn't be allowed out of the house. He really shouldn't. <laughs> In any event, um, uh, the uh, peak skill was one of them. Um, Oh, for God's sake. And, uh, um, uh, but uh, our local water uh, company here in Rockland, uh, Veolia, mm-hmm. um, uh, they found uh, what were considered to be perhaps a higher levels in six of their, like, 60 wells. Mm-hmm. All right, so uh, we got uh, Bill Madden from Veolia on the line. And, uh, and uh, remember, too, that the water company, uh, like the rest of us, are victims of this because uh, they didn't make the PFAS. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't put it in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, uh, they're, they're, they're providing us with a, with a service that we, we want and we need, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, they got to deal with the same thing. So, uh, Bill, how you doing? Lou, how you doing? All right, great. So what, what do you, what's your take on, on, on what we were just talking to Liz about? Sure. I have two quick items to start off. Uh, first, uh, I heard about your show. Very excited to have a person of your stature involved with the Rockland media landscape. I followed your very accomplished career in broadcast news reporting, and uh, good to have you aboard in Rockland County. Oh, thank you. Um, and I appreciate that. Yep. Uh, and second, 
And, you know, I was a fellow journalist for 20 years. You were you were over at that that newspaper that used to be... Uh, that, called the Journal News. Called the Journal News. <laughs> yeah, that, that's now Lohud. <laughs> and, and, and George will tell you, uh, in the glory days of the Journal News, we were quite the award-winning local newspaper. Right, right. My heart so, so, so anyway, but industry is now. good to hear from and you, Bill. Second, okay. Yeah, hi, George. And my second thing, as I told you Thursday night, um, one of my hobbies is refereeing youth basketball. I, I have a game at 1.30, and I couldn't get a, I couldn't get someone to do it because of the shortage. Bill, Bill we're so fine. We're fine. We're yeah. fine. What do you think about yeah. what Liz said? That's what I need to know <laughs> yeah, so about. I, I have about 10 minutes. So, yes, um, water quality, top priority for Veolia. Um, we've um, been working closely with state, offic- state health officials, mm-hmm. county health officials now for a year and a half. All of your listeners... Um, can can visit our dedicated website yeah. NY, nywq at veolianorthamerica.com that's nywq right. dot veolianorthamerica.com or call us uh, 877-426-8969. We have all the information for our listeners. All right. What, what, what about the, the, uh, the idea that the feds <laughs> are suggesting that the, uh, that the guide, guidelines are uh, a lot lower than, um, than what the state, uh, state level uh, uh, the discrepancy between the, two. the discrepancy there? How do, how do, you, how do you reconcile that? And, and can, can the comp- water company deal with it? And uh, is there ways to get the stuff out? And uh, does it annoy you that somebody's putting this stuff in the water? Sure. So, you know, we've, even before the state introduced the new standards in August of 2020, we, we, we saw this on the horizon, been studying and testing for it since then. Um, and, has, and, and once the, uh, the standard was put into place, we immediately put together a mediation plan, made that public, and have been working on it since. Um, uh, interestingly enough, uh, the uh, the wells that need remediation, we need to add, uh, you know, expand these these sites. They become construction projects. Uh, so between the permitting for that and the uh, the supply chain issues that we've uh, that we've experienced across the country, uh, we've uh, received a deferral to get those wells totally remediated. Uh, uh, so we expect to have them done next year. Um, and. You know, of our 60 wells, there were a handful that detected as high as 19. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, uh, the water never changed. The standard did. Yeah, so, I understood. Uh, understood. And, and, prior, and prior to uh, New York State going to 10 parts per trillion, which your earlier guest uh, appropriately said, that's a speck of a sand in an Olympic-sized pool, mm-hmm. um, the, the national standard was 70 parts per trillion. The European standard was 300 parts per trillion. Yeah, so, so we, we, high, may not, we may not know what we're doing to ourselves yet. I mean, we may find right. out later, yeah. Right, and as George will tell you, these things have been around for decades. They're everywhere. Unlike other uh, com- uh, compounds like this, where you can find them and trace them to a, a, a manufacturing plant or mm-hmm. a landfill, these are in cosmetics. They're in food packaging, they're in a firefighting yeah. foam, yeah. Um, everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and we're just as uh, befuddled as everybody else. Now, um, now Liz, and, you know, I, yeah, Liz, let me, let me ask you, I mean, uh, let's say I, uh, I opened the vein right now, which, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not in the mood to do that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and tested the blood, I mean, what, what, what's likely to, the parts per trillion uh, in, in, in my blood, do you know? I mean, in, in people. Yeah, so, you know, Bill's exactly right. These are widely used, widespread contaminants, and as a result, almost everybody on the planet has some level in their blood. The average is believed two parts per billion, so there's a chance that 
that would be your blood level as well. Mm -hmm. That said, if you've had some environmental exposure, either through your drinking water or, you know, you're eating off of a really old Teflon pan or something, you might have some higher blood levels. Um, And we've seen that when we've done blood level testing in communities in New York where there has been high levels of exposure to PFAS, like in Newburgh, New York, and Hoosick Falls, New York. Mm So, uh, and, and the level, whatever, whatever you've got, it's not going down. It only goes up. Am I, am I right? Do I have that right, uh, uh, folks? Well, I mean, well, over I, time, I if you eliminate Oh, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you got two answers. <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, Liz, you go first, and Bill. I mean, it, it, it doesn't go down. It goes up, right? Well, so if you reduce exposure, it will go down. There's half-life okay. for these contaminants in your body, um, and they vary depending on which PFAS it is. But if you do, it's possible to reduce your exposure. They should go down over time. Okay, uh, that's your understanding as well, Bill. Yeah, and I did want to mention. I agree with Liz. Um, all, all of our information is right on. I did want to mention one thing: that the highest detected level in our wells, in those handful of wells, was 19. So do keep that in perspective in your when you look at the numbers. Oh, sure. I do. I, I, and I and I do want to mention one often overlooked dynamic in this very very important discussion, and that's cost. Um, you know, uh, in Rockland County, the average water bill is about sixty dollars. Uh, we think that's the lowest uh, regularly occurring household uh, expense. Um, we believe the value of water is tremendous, for the, uh, and I think the, uh, the, the quality of water really adds to the quality of life that Rockland enjoys. Yeah. But, but It's one of the highest in the country, water. though, right, Bill? I mean, it's a high, it's a high number, though. Yeah, now that, that's exaggerated, but we can, talk, we can debate that yeah. some other time. But George will, will, talk, will tell you about this. Because of the, uh, the heightened awareness of water quality across the country, and, and now municipalities and, and, uh, and private systems uh, across the 50 states now putting in place remediation programs to address uh, compounds like PFAS, mm-hmm. the, the, the cost of water will go up. Oh, yeah. And you will see, and you will see this in New York very soon. Well, uh, I'm, because- I'm, I'm telling you, uh, 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 Bill, uh, we just I, – I happen to – Sit on a on a on a um, uh, a board in a community in in in, in Mimarinic, in the village of Mimarinic, and and last week we raised the water rates fifteen percent um, because we we've got filter programs, a, a filtration system we, we have to put in, and and and, and there's there's costs involved, and and one of the one of the active theories or one of the active uh, axioms of of government and, and services is that if you put no value on something, people will not value it. Uh, that's right. uh, that's uh, so 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 cheap water, like cheap parking spaces and like like cheap gasoline encourages sometimes excessive use. Mm. So uh, there, there, there's the other side of the coin there. I, I just wanted to put that in there. Right, and then we have a we're we're uh, filing a rate case next year. Our current rate filing is for four years. Next year is year four, mm-hmm. and we'll propose that uh, oh first, first quarter um, next year, and you'll see those costs that we've already spent. To remediate um, these wells and our our treatment plant, the, the our customers will see those costs uh, very very clearly in that rate filing, mm-hmm. as as your uh, your fellow residents of America have felt that too. So I do want to make you know nothing's more important than than removing these compounds from the water, and we will do that, and we will follow all the standards that the EPA and the, and the state and the county give us. Um, but they're you know understand. That um, that costs money. 
Yeah, right. it does. It does. Um, so uh, we've got uh, Elijah. Uh, Elijah Reckland Milnick. Reckland Milnick. <laughs> we can hear you New York State Senator Elijah Reckland Milnick. That's online. right. As uh, as George is prompting me, and as, <laughs> we can hear you. You can just say it. Okay, uh, uh, Senator, how are Hello you, sir? There. Hello there. How are you? Yeah. Uh, so um, oh, you've heard the discussion so far. We got Bill and Liz on the well, line. I, yeah, I, I actually I just. Logged. I just uh, called in about uh, two, three minutes ago, so I caught the, the last couple minutes of the conversation. All right. So, so legislatively, uh, uh, the, the, the what is the state going to do to uh, address this apparent gap in uh, in what's uh, permissible and, and and what's safe? Well, well so we, the state actually did take some pretty significant legislative steps a few years ago in lowering the acceptable standard that, that water is tested for dramatically below what was then the federal standard. Um, and that was one reason that this uh, the, the contamination in Rockland was detected, mm -hmm. because it, it fell below the new state standard, although at the time it was detected, was still uh, totally acceptable within the federal levels, which, um, you know, was a much, much higher, higher at the time, was yeah. a much higher yeah. threshold. Yeah. And, and that was a step I, I can't claim credit for it because it happened before I was elected. But that was a step the state was taking to try oh, to ahead. claim credit. Take eh, it, you know, I'm, I'm a bad politician. <laughs> Um, so it's uh, that was something that was done in, back in 2019 and 20, and uh, I think it was an important step because it allowed this conversation to be happening. I right. think in Rockland we might never have really been having this PFAS, PFAS um, conversation if, you know, if we kept the older standard, which was at a higher level then there would have been no sort of violation of a standard. There would have been no need to notify people. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of this simply just wouldn't have been in the conversation in the way that it is now. Um, and so as we're going forward, uh, unfortunately, I won't be going forward in the Senate for the next two years, but I, I think New York State clearly needs to keep the focus on public health um, and, and understanding, as I heard Bill say, this, this is vital work to protect. That's the number one priority, but obviously being mindful that there are costs and that, you know, to clean up, to ensure safety, to add the filtration um, is necessary, but it is also not free. And so to the extent the state's able to help out, um, whether it's uh, in, we're in, not a unique, but an unusual position in Rockland where we've got um, a non-public uh, entity providing the water, um, but helping out and making sure that ratepayers don't get stuck with enormous increases just to get safe drinking water is something that I believe this, the government does have a role in, in helping with. Now, uh, Senator-elect uh, Bill Weber will be taking over for you in January, right? That's true, yes. Okay, I, um, uh, and I, I don't know that you guys talk, <laughs> uh, but, but uh, do you know where he is on this? I mean, he's going to be calling in uh, to uh, WRCR uh, after, after he takes, um, uh, yeah, takes office. I, so I, we want to ask him about that, but, but has he expressed any, uh, uh, any uh, position on this, you know? I am not aware. I mean, I would expect uh, he has not reached out to me since the election, so yeah. I, I'm not sure what his, uh, what his incoming uh, you know, priorities are going to be. I think that, that yeah, I'd be shocked if he doesn't take a similar position because who would who would want to run for office in uh, in Rockland and and say, well, I don't care about water safety issues. I certainly hope he's not going to say that. I can't, you know, I'll give him the credit to to assume that he does fervently believe, as I do, and anybody that we've got to have safe and healthy water for people to drink. Um, so I, I think the, the the challenge, of course, which he will. 
have to deal with is, is as a member of the, the minority party in the Senate, it's it's much more complicated if you actually want to uh, write, introduce legislation yeah, yeah. Or, or do things like that. So, um, But I certainly hope he will speak out in favor of, of the same things that we've been talking about here, of the importance of uh, providing clean water and, and having the state take an active uh, regulatory role in making sure that that is being provided. All right. Well, we, we will certainly hold his feet to the fire. Uh, and um, and uh, want to thank you for your service to the um, uh, to the district, and uh, we appreciate you calling in. Uh, uh, Bill Madden had to had to leave. We wanted to oh, thank, okay. him, thank yeah. him at all. Uh, yeah, yeah, can you stick around? Yeah, sure, I can stick yeah. around for a minute. Yeah, because yeah. we got we got uh, we got more uh, stuff to talk about. And, and what you know, um, Elijah, you know, uh, we spoke to Ken Zabrowski yesterday. Uh, we did a recorded message because he couldn't be on with us live today. But uh, he spoke about two different types of legislation that he had proposed. Maybe we can play that audio clip. Uh, Will clip A or clip B? A, clip A, yeah. And maybe we can talk about that afterwards. Sure. After the after the other side. Okay. So on the legislative front. Um, We've really been uh, drafting legislation to try to get PFAS out of the products because um, obviously here in Rockland County, we've seen the contamination of our wells and filtration systems need to be installed. Um, but it's sort of backwards to be uh, uh, filtering the water and trying to get PFAS out of your water when you're still allowing products to be developed and marketed um, that are contaminating the water. So if we're gonna stop this at its source, um, we need to get this out of the products. We need to stop it from contaminating our environment. So I have a bill that we drafted that, number one, would really um, prevent all products with added PFAS from being sold. Um, it's on a step-down basis by 2028. We've also been working with a lot of um, advocates and champions in the environmental field to, to identify products that are the main drivers of the contamination and ban them quicker. We've already made some progress in the state legislature with my colleague, Assemblymember Fahey, and banning it from apparel. Um, but we drafted a bill, um, it's uh, Assembly Bill 10689, um, that bans it from cleaning products, automotive products, um, cookware, fabric treatment, rugs, ski wax, and textiles. And these are things that the advocates have identified as being heavy in PFAS usage and really driving some of this thing. So I'd love to get to a point where we ban it totally by 2028. We'll, we'll work on that bill. But with some of the advocates, we've done that on the legislative front. Um, also really important right now is making sure that our regulations for identifying and remediating PFAS are as low as possible. Um, we've had additional regulations uh, that are guidelines to come out from the EPA. And right now we have draft uh, regs out there that set the levels higher than they should be in our mind. We should be joining uh, some of our neighbor states that have really been leading, if not going even further. We should be trying to lead the nation in um, requiring testing and remediation at levels that are as low as possible out there. And right now, we don't think the draft regulations are there yet. So I've been joining a lot of my colleagues and champions in the environmental field advocates out there to get those regs. That's something that we can do right this second. So, um, Senator, that seems like you guys are on the same page, doesn't it? We're, we're, we're completely on the same page. I've worked with uh, Ken Zabrowski closely through my, my time in the legislature on a lot of issues, but especially on this, uh, I, my staff and I had discussed with him and his team uh, the bills he's talking about for uh, banning products that contain intentionally added uh, PFAS and 
uh, PFOS chemicals, and I know he introduced one of these uh, shortly uh, a few months ago, but yeah. after the legislature was out of session, I was planning to introduce the companion bill uh, at the beginning of session this coming year. Uh, um, but yeah, that's we're, 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 I think, in full agreement on this, that okay. the state has a clear role in setting standards. Uh, and, you know, we've seen from a decades of the environmental movement that you cannot, you have to ideally try to work with, with private sector yeah. if you can, but you can't just leave things up to the private sector and assume that everybody will do the right thing that's why I want to, of their heart. That's why I want to bring Liz back into this. Uh, Liz, you, you heard uh, uh, Senator Zorowski, uh Assemblyman, Assemblyman Zabrowski, uh, uh, say that uh, he um, he's looking at 2028, hopefully, for banning this. Is that quick enough? Yeah, so I, first of all, I think the Assemblyman, the Senator's comments have been really spot on. The New York State Legislature has been doing a lot, I would say, dating back to 2015, when some of these drinking water crises across the state started to come to light. They've really been proactive in addressing these contaminants. Um, before I get to um, Assemblyman Zabrowski's legislation, which we're very proud to be working with his team on and a number of our partner organizations, um, I want to bring back the discussion of this cost argument. Mm -hmm. So. Cost actually does come up a lot, but what doesn't get brought up is actually the cost to public health when you don't set standards that are protective enough. The bottom line is when it, you compare the cost of treatment as compared to the cost of public health, it is far lower <laughs> and when you compare that to if we don't have low enough standards. It's much more expensive to too much too standards too high to public health. And to that end, um, the senator and the assemblyman have been part of some important budgetary initiatives in New York State to help fund treatment in New York State and testing. Uh, in New York State, we now have a new $4 billion Environmental Bond Act, which will go towards some of these things. In New York State, we have the Clean Water Infrastructure Act, which devotes money towards treating um, PFAS and other emerging contaminants. Um, and there's new federal dollars that the state will be getting as well, thanks to the Infrastructure Act that was passed earlier yeah, in the year. Yeah. So these were important legislative moves, and Assemblyman uh, Zakrowski's legislation will be another really important step to right. getting this out of the system. So let's let's talk now about where this stuff comes from. If, if we're going to go to the source, where are we going? I know that uh, 3M invented a lot of these, uh, the use of these uh, PFAS. It's a class of chemicals, really. Uh, um, and uh, and uh, uh, DuPont um, uh, put them in a lot of things, like Teflon was the, was the first big thing. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing was that when DuPont wanted to test uh, for it, they, that 3M suggested they do a study, uh, they needed to find some um, clean blood, some PFAS-free blood uh, to, test it, to use as a control, and they had to go back to blood that had been stockpiled for the Korean War in the 50s to find bl uh, human blood that didn't have PFAS in it, which tells you how fast and how pervasive it became, it spread. So, um, uh, so the, what, the, are the other, what, what are the other sources, is my question. Yeah, so PFAS chemicals have been widely used in the economy since the 1950s. And I think it's really important to note that 3M and DuPont knew about the health impacts. I think it's really important to name that these companies still put these chemicals out in the market, even when their own workers were getting horribly sick. 
And that is part of what led to a major study that took place from 2005 to 2013, carried out by what's known as the C8 Science Panel. That study was the biggest human health impact study that's ever been conducted. And that study is what found that exposure to PFAS can be definitively linked to high cholesterol, ulcerative colitis, thyroid disease, testicular cancer, kidney cancer, and pregnancy-induced hypertension. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, and we're, we're, I mean, it's horrifying because the more we study these chemicals, the more impact we're finding, like immunosuppression, yeah. um, liver, liver disease. Uh, and I can tell you, in New York, in places where there have been high-level exposure, it's not unusual to find people with these and and and, um, and it, so it it where it comes from though I mean Teflon uh, the PFOA and the PFOS maybe Liz you could just explain the difference between yeah. the two the two major chemicals that we're looking at yeah uh, but yeah. well I don't, I don't you know uh, the, listen, the firefighting I, uh, I've I've heard that it doesn't even really matter that we should probably just ban the whole class of chemicals well you're de- asking for identifying what where they're coming yeah. from uh, the I, PFOS I, is the firefighting I can just chime in too yeah. I mean yeah. I, and Liz you you are much more versed on the on the technical aspect but like my layman's understanding of this is that one of the challenges is that there's so many chemicals in this class that all vary in minor ways with their chemical formulations, but that they all have, as far as we can tell, similarly detrimental impacts on people's health. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right, Senator. And that is why advocates and those in the public health community and, and residents who've been impacted are calling for a class-based approach yeah, yeah. that New York State should regulate these chemicals as a class and should ban them from being used in products as a class. Because they all what, have similar health impacts. What happens is you, you, you find one is causes a problem, you document it, you ban it, they they come up with a new chemical. It's like yeah, six thousand chemicals yeah, and or something. And it's, and it's whack-a-mole. Yeah, hundred percent. You took the word. That was the analogy I was going to use. You otherwise <laughs> just play this game, uh, except it's a game with deadly serious stakes. But you're playing this game with with companies where you know, well, we banned this, so we're going to use something that's ninety plus percent the same formulation, but not exactly the same. Um, you know, I, I have to say, in, in, a, in another context, this has become a major issue with some of these synthetic fentanyls that are being sold out there and killing people on the street because they don't technically match the definitions that have been put in some statutes of what constitutes fentanyl, and yet they have the impact, even though it is a slightly different chemical formulation. Mm-hmm. And so being able, you know, in a court of law to prove, they subvert the, uh, you know, system. to prove exactly, you know, that this turns on, can you call something fentanyl if it's not quite the precise chemical formulation that we think of as fentanyl? And that's, in a weird way, something similar is going on with some of these uh, class of chemicals. I see. It's like, uh, you know, like a... Uh Good point. Good point, uh, Elijah. Yeah, in other words, it's so this much the same as you call it a different name because of slightly different chemical yeah, composition. I mean, there's, there's, yeah. We're sort of used to, I, I think, the public and, and when you're talking in a media context, you talk about, you know, a class of things. But then when you have to prove something in a court of law or, in a, you know, in a oh. lawsuit, it matters that the exact chemistry of it can matter a lot. And I'm yeah, not legally. a science person, but uh, that you realize quickly that, that it, it's one. It's easy to say, oh, let's just do this. And, you know, everybody knows what these chemicals are, but you have to be careful in the definitions. Otherwise, it's quite possible for the manufacturers and the polluters 
to sort of wiggle out of any responsibility and you could end up with you think you've banned something but in fact you're going to have something very similar to it still right out there and and let's go back to let's say uh, the uh, the uh, probably unfortunate uh, um, image of me opening a vein and testing the blood and uh, and where did that PFAS come from you ask right well probably not off the Teflon pan used at home but uh, very likely if I drank water uh, and it got in the water from probably firefighting foam. Am I correct? Yeah, I think that's more, so. That's certainly one way. And I think okay. All right. All right. Now, or or in the air uh, from the food packaging, maybe that got incinerated along with the food over at the uh, the incinerator in Peekskill. Went up the went up the, uh, the the stack and came out as water vapor. But it's 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 in the water vapor there. Am I correct? Yeah, air emissions are certainly another route. Yeah. It's really like in products. Yeah. Right? So you can breathe in contaminated air. That can certainly lead to having PFAS in your blood if it's in your drinking water. And, and products is a route of exposure as well. You know, you didn't mention the Teflon pan. That is one way it can get into your blood system. Uh, microwave popcorn bags have PFAS contaminants. Uh, some of the clothes we wear have PFAS in it. That so waxy lining inside this. inside the takeout some takeout food containers. Yeah, right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's very widespread. So that's why it's it's pretty much universal. Oh, that one that one got to Will. Blood. Will's eyebrows went up when I said that one. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of gross. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, oh, yeah. I mean, a lot I, of plastics. Yeah, if we're going to get into solid waste stuff, I mean, a lot of plastics have PFAS in them. Yeah, yeah, and and, and we love our plastics, don't we? <laughs> Anyway, so that so that's uh, you know that's what we're dealing with here. And can you get it out of the water? Will, will these filters that we put on our water systems will they get will they catch the stuff? So there's different types of filtration methods to address PFAS contaminants and. They are quite thorough at removing contaminants. You can get water to non-detect levels when you have treatment. The most common treatment methodology is known as granulated activated carbon or mm -hmm. a GAC system. Mm -hmm. That I would guess very likely that's the system that Veolia is looking to install. Mm -hmm. um, and that's likely a, a type of system we're going to need across the country because PFAS contamination is so wide. All right. Uh, we appreciate that. Uh, as, yeah, it's, you know, it's everywhere. So we've got to deal with it at the source. And uh, I think we all agree on that. We've got a, a caller on the line, Gordon Wren, the former uh, emergency management director for Rockland County. Uh, uh, Mr. Wren, how are you? Gordon. Very good. You know, aside from the firefighting foam, and think in the 70s and 80s, fire service nationally really pushed to have these products incorporated into mattresses and uh, sofas, furniture in general, and clothing and babies, you yeah. know, uh, pajamas, and you know, we had no idea. Now, these things burn now. In addition, you're talking about exposure. Imagine you're fighting a fire and you're getting this into your skin. And, yeah. Uh, you know, they don't, you know, you're inhaling the products of combustion with this material in it. So. We didn't know. Everyone know. People didn't know. And the foam, you know, we'd be covered with this stuff. Uh, yeah. And using it for fires. So it really, we're doing a 180 here now. I don't think uh, you know, we, I guess they figured out that firefighting wasn't hazardous enough, Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the fire you should be concerned about. It was the chemicals. Well, I mean, that, but that's a really good, I mean, that's sort of a really good point. There's a lot of this stuff, um, 
you know, ended up getting widely sold and distributed, not because people sat around saying, how do we create toxic products to, to kill people, but because it seemed like it served a, good a useful idea. purpose. Yeah. In this case, you know, as, as a fire, you know, a firefighting. Retardant, uh, yeah. Person, yeah. Uh, you know, and then, of course, as we knew better, then we realized what a mistake that was. And I think that it's lessons like that, in my mind, that always ought to have us asking questions. You know, what are we doing now that people are going to look back on in 30 years and say, what the hell were they thinking? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, yeah. we've got to have that humility that we may think we've got all the answers on things and things that sound like they could certainly be safe or, uh, you know, perhaps we're going to have a conversation or, or maybe we won't, but our future selves will in, uh, you know, 2050 and say, what were they thinking back in 2022? And so, um you know that that is that that importance of being uh, humble about what we may not know yet. I think is a lesson we've got to keep remembering. Right. And Gordon, uh, the the PFAS fire foam is 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 a thing of the past. Am I correct? I believe so, but I think there's still a lot out there. Um, yeah. And it has to be disposed of properly and everything else. So, yeah. But you know, we a lot of people die smoking cigarettes in bed or on the on the sofa, or they have a few beers and they fall asleep on the couch and. Mm-hmm. We really thought it was a great idea that um, when a cigarette was dropped or something, mm-hmm. another source of ignition, that it wouldn't match us with ignite. the solar. And, yeah. yeah. And I'm telling people, now in the long run, we're probably killing a lot more people. Um, the product we, it was approved and pushed. So okay. All right. Thank you. Listen, Gordon, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. It's always good to hear from you, my friend. Yeah, interesting topic. Thank you, thank you. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, we got into talking about the cost of this yeah. and where that would be. Elijah, maybe before, I know you can only be on for a short period of time. Yeah. Uh, Ken had a short uh, statement about it. Maybe we could play that, um, Will, and then we'd like to hear what, uh, Elijah, I mean, what Elijah's reaction is to the... Um, and Liz. And Liz. But the cost is uh, regarding whether it's private water companies or public municipal water supplies. Affecting mm-hmm. public water supplies. Um, this is affecting public water supplies as well as private, like we have with Veolia. Uh, is is there funding available for this through the state, or would a private water company not be uh, eligible for state funding or the kind of infrastructure, uh, federal infrastructure or state bond act like we recently passed? Is there monies that are available, or is this result in some kind of a rate increase, or for communities that have municipal, are they looking at sizable increases in their uh, in their budgets for uh, running a water uh, municipal water supply? Yeah, you bring up a good point, and we should be uh, allowing the grants and the monies out there to protect ratepayers. We certainly don't want it to result in sort of any type of windfall for the companies, but we got to remember that these are regulated utilities, and some of these costs are passed right back down to the ratepayers. Of course, we fight that in various rate cases uh, all the time in those aspects, but. Um, uh, to that extent, you know, most of Rockland is, uh, a, a, as you said, Veolia now. Um, you know, we do still have the, uh, you know, the NIAC and Suffern uh, Water Companies. Um, but we need to recognize that um, some of this money should be available to prevent it from going on the backs of ratepayers. Okay. Okay, so uh, Elijah, uh, did, did you think that some of the monies that we voted for for this Environmental Bond Act, or even some of the federal infrastructure monies, could be used to help uh, the public, uh, the private utilities? Would they qualify for that, or even the municipal uh, water supplies as we have here in Rockland and Nyack and Suffern? Would they qualify for using some of that money to help address the PFAS issues in terms of uh, filtration? Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree with Ken on this. Is there's this is one of the challenges, and, and again, Rockland is not entirely unique, but it is 
outside of the statewide norm in terms of having um, a significant share of the water supply be provided for by a, um, you know, by, by private companies that are, are by a private company. Most of the state is, uh, whether it's a, a county, a water district, a city, et cetera, is a publicly supplied system. Rockland and areas on Long Island are some of the major parts of the state that, that have a private company. And, and as Ken said, yeah, you have to find a way to get the money available to help rate payers, but you also want to make sure you're not ending up with a scenario where you're basically just spending public money to subsidize what is a for-profit business. Right. Veolia is a for-profit business. Yeah. Um, you know, and so there's there are right. in theory good things and bad things about doing it that way, mm-hmm. but it does, for instance, there are a number of grants that would be available for sure to a uh, to a municipality, whether it's to a NIAC or a, you know NIAC and Suffern being the two in Rockland that have their own water companies, um, that might not currently to a private entity like Veolia. And, and I do think we've got to find a way to make sure that we're not going to have Rocklanders get kind of left out because of the way that our water system has been run for the last 50-plus years. And one of the things that Ken and I spoke about, which we didn't um, record, but it had to do with the responsibility of the manufacturers of these products. Uh, I'm not sure that's an easy thing to trace back. I don't know. Liz, what do you think about all this? Yeah, so I want to say the Assemblyman Center spot on here. And at the end of the day, it's really important to hold the people responsible for these people getting into our environment for any cost, as best we can not so easy given how widespread they are but wherever a polluter can be identified that is the entity that should be paid to pay up for any cost of remediation of treatment etc and making sure people are getting clean water Uh, so you know in in the case of Rockland maybe there isn't a polluter that can be readily identified Um, but in places where there is New York State does have legal tools such as our state superfund law to hold these polluters financially accountable. All right. Uh, listen, uh, everybody here, here welcome uh, again to uh, Tough Times with Lou Young. We're glad to have you here in our virtual lounge. All right. And I want to invite you all to uh, get up with me and take a walk into the big oh, machine. Oh, we're going to go to the big machine. We're going to the big machine. Oh. All, all of you. You too, Liz. Come on. All right. Here we Let's go. go. <laughs> Come on in. Come on in, Senator. It's very right. fine in the big yeah, machine. We flip on these dials here. Take a look. And, uh, and, and, and I'm seeing that the, uh, the 23 PFAS chemicals that we're uh, testing for uh, now uh, have shown up at levels considered to be too high uh, in arsoning. Uh, Peekskill in uh, over Westchester County, Croton on Hudson. I can see, I can see it's n- in Newburgh's water, and uh, and the six out of sixty wells uh, for Veolia here in Rockland County, and uh, it's all going to have to be dealt with. So we're going to have to come up with a remediation uh, on some level, and hopefully get uh, to the um, to the source of it. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to swing over here to the big picture. So let's 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 widen out. The the, uh, the lens, and we were looking at the uh, announcement earlier earlier this week of what's considered to be the the largest discovery, or one of the largest discoveries in human history. Did, did you guys heard about this? I, I did. Yeah. The, I, the I fusion thing, I'm right? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to, to, to tap out for this conversation. Okay, um, okay, uh, Senator. Uh, th- th- thank you so much. I, I, I appreciate it. Uh, uh, and. Thank you, uh, and, and, and thank you for dropping with us, and thank you for your service, sir. We appreciate it. 
my, my pleasure and, and glad to do it. Thanks for covering this. And, and uh, Liz, it's always good to, to share a, uh, a, a show with you. Okay. Same here, Senator. Okay. So, Liz, right. you, Liz you're still with us, right? Yes, I am. Uh, and uh, did uh, did Gordon hang in, or is he gone? No, he's gone. He's gone. Okay, great. I I, I think I kind of said goodbye to him, so he probably uh, yeah. You, it yeah. was kind of implied. Yeah, it was implied. <laughs> He's a great caller to have. I mean, firefighters actually, or I believe, out of all occupations in yeah. the U.S., have the greatest risk of cancer. Yeah, um, yeah. They have like the highest incidence. Well, so they breathe smoke all the time. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. Anyway, so anyway, let's 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 on on the dials here. I'm I'm looking at this. Uh, uh, so this discovery of a fusion uh lawrence livermore laboratory they were able to um to make fusion energy to 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 create a a a reaction that generated more uh energy than the energy that it took to to start it so um uh, and this is the thing that we're told in a few decades could uh free us up from the uh the uh, burden of fossil fuels that has uh, so endangered the planetary environment so what I want to do is uh, play you some sound here from the folks who are closest to it. Um, uh, we've got the Deputy Administrator for Defense Programs at the National Nuclear uh, Security Administration, uh, Marv Adams, uh, and he's speaking because they were doing this. Uh, they were doing this so they could figure out how to test nuclear weapons without setting them off, uh, uh, and and this is a a byproduct of that research. Uh, so let's listen to. Uh, to Marv Adams, uh, tell us what uh, the fusion discovery is all about. A team at Lawrence Livermore National Lab, National Ignition Facility, made the following happen. There's a tiny cylinder here at the end of this that you probably can't see. It's about so tall and this wide. Yeah, Inside that, he's was holding a, up a little a cylinder small there. Spherical capsule about half the diameter of a BB. 192 laser beams entered from the two ends of the cylinder and struck the inner wall. They didn't strike the capsule, they struck the inner wall of this cylinder and deposited energy. And that happened in less time than it takes light to move 10 feet. So it's kind of fast. X-rays from the wall impinged on the spherical capsule. Fusion fuel in the capsule got squeezed. Fusion reactions started. This had all happened before, a hundred times before. But last week, for the first time, they designed this experiment so that the fusion fuel stayed hot enough, dense enough, and round enough for long enough that it ignited, and it produced more energies than the lasers had deposited. About two megajoules in, about three megajoules out, a gain of 1.5. The energy production took less time than it takes light to travel one inch. Kind of fast. So this is pretty cool. Um, I have a special message to listeners who want to work on exciting, challenging, and important problems. We're hiring. <laughs> <laughs> he, said, he says we're hiring, although I don't think I've got the math skills no, for that no, job. No. Uh, in any event, that's, you know, so it's proof of con- uh, proof of concept, I guess, or proof mm-hmm. of performance. I forget what they call it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's proof that it can happen. Uh, the fuel uh, needs to be cheap enough that we can do it. But, uh, but uh, in that uh, moment, in that, that moment where the um, light traveled an inch, <laughs> which is just mind-boggling, mm-hmm. um, that uh, piece of fuel generated uh, as much energy or more energy than the entire U.S. power grid. 
Mm -hmm. And uh, if you can do that over and over again, you're in business, you know? Mm -hmm. So there you go. Um, uh, Let's... do you, do you understand that, Liz? I mean, I, I think we all pretend we understand it, but uh, does that? <laughs> I, I probably understand about the same level you both do, you know, at the very rudimentary layman level. Um, but I think like everyone who's heard about this, it's absolutely remarkable. And, you know, and, and you again. It's the beginning of it, something. You yeah, know. yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe I always said earlier that, that as a species, on some levels, on a lot of levels, we're not that bright. We, we, we do very lo- a lot of uh, self-contradictory uh, things, and things are counterintuitive, and things that are self-destructive. But here we are studying how to test nuclear weapons that we should know uh, we shouldn't even be using, and, uh, and, we find, and we stumble across something that may save our, our bacon down the road. You know? mm-hmm. So, so uh, maybe, we are, uh, maybe we're saving ourselves here. Uh, I, I want to fine-tune this a little more. Let's, uh, let's listen to the U.S. Energy Secretary, uh, Jennifer Granholm, <laughs> who has a more colorful way of describing uh, what we've uh, come across here. Uh, today, we're here to talk about fusion combining two particles into one. Last week at the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California, scientists at the National Ignition Facility achieved fusion ignition. And that is creating more energy from fusion reactions than the energy used to start the process. It's the first time it has ever been done in a laboratory, anywhere in the world. Simply put, this is one of the most impressive scientific feats of the 21st century. Or as the president might say, right? I do think he probably did say this is a BFD. A BFD. Yeah, Jack, it's a BFD. It's a BFD. It's just like uh, bigger than Obamacare. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Joe. All right. Uh, you got, um, so, uh, uh, yeah. It's a BFD, isn't it, uh, Liz? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a big BFD. <laughs> so the question is, will, will, will Fusion get here in time to save us? Before we uh, destroy the planet or poison ourselves with PFASs, so that's uh, that's the uh, you know we got a lot of things going on at once, you know. Yeah, nice, nice, lighthearted question to, to wrap things up with, huh? Yeah. Um, listen, we have this. This is a remarkable uh, technological innovation. We do have re- amazing renewable energy that we have to get on right now as quickly as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And I believe we'll do it. Uh, there's been a lot of efforts federally at this point and at the state level to transition us off of fossil fuels and to get us to renewables, mm-hmm. and it could not be more urgent. So hopefully we'll get a point where fusion could be part of that as well, but we can't right. wait upon that. Yeah. Uh, and to point to PFAS, you know, I, I think we're heading in the right direction there as well in New York State. At the federal level, there's a lot more that could be done. Uh, so to end it on you know, a positive note here, uh, I think there's a good reason why this technology is feeling hopeful, and I think we should. I think while people uh, in society, we do things that might not be the wisest and we're a little bit slow to act sometimes, I think there's hope for improvement. 
Okay, we, we might have to leave it on that because you're starting to fade in yeah, and out. Are you moving, Liz? Because maybe we're losing you a little bit here and there. It's kind of fading in and out. Um, I just wanted to ask you if you wanted to just summarize what people could do. I know the there's currently draft proposals before the governor uh, regarding PFAS. And uh, what stage is that at right now? And where are we in the process uh, to get these standards uh, raised in New York State? And what would you suggest people could do uh, uh, in terms of uh, influencing that change? Yeah, so a comment period recently ended regarding the state's proposed MCL. Mm-hmm. Residents should absolutely still reach out to the governor and the Department of Health to urge for standards that are as low as technologically feasible. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can take action by uh, visiting my organization's website, such as earthjustice.org, mm-hmm. and you can take action that way. Um, they can also voice support for Assemblyman Zabrowski's legislation mm-hmm. um, by calling their elected officials and urging they support legislation that gets PFAS out of products. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Liz Moran, thank you so much. And again, the uh, Earth, uh, the name of the organization? Earth Justice. Earth Justice. And your website was, think of us that website again, Liz? It's earthjustice.org. Okay, All great. One word. Okay. Right, and you're involved in a lot of issues. This is not just PFAS, right? You have many different issues you're involved in. That is very true. I do wear a lot of hats. As big as the earth. Yes, they're big. There we go. <laughs> they're big FD. So, so yeah, yeah. So we want to uh, we want to have you back uh, uh, again and as often as you care to call in. We appreciate it. We're here uh, most Saturdays. We uh, this is the last uh, live show of the year, but we'll be back in uh, early January and uh, um, we'll uh, we'll talk to you again soon. We thank you so much. We wish you a happy holiday, uh, a Merry Christmas, Happy we're, Hanukkah, we're, Happy New Year, everything, everything. We appreciate your time, Liz. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I would be happy to come back anytime. Oh, thank Y'all you. have happy holidays. Okay. Bye. Thank you. That's uh, Liz Moran. And we also spoke with uh, Senator uh, Reichland Meldick, uh, who is uh, just wrapping up his, uh, his term, his term uh, and uh, uh, the last month of, uh, of his uh, two-year term. Uh, and Bill Madden from Veolia Water Company, who was uh, so helpful uh, about the PFAS situation. And Gordon Wren, who um, was uh, the... Uh, uh, emergency director for Rockland County and uh, mm-hmm. who, you know, probably handled a lot of that... Uh, Knows firsthand. That just, toxic yeah. um, firefighting foam and, uh, you know, is as victimized as all of us. I mean, we're all victims in this. Uh, nobody, uh, none of the folks we spoke with today put any of this stuff in our water um, and we have to stop it at the source and that's what we want to do. Let's so, not forget uh, Assemblyman Ken Zabrowski. Oh, Ken Zabrowski. On was, tape. <laughs> Uh, he was very happy to participate in an interview yesterday, but that's, couldn't join us that's today. That's terrific. So, uh, any event, and then the big news, right? The big news, the mm-hmm. the fusion, yep. fusion. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, because you know what that means. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, uh, it means we got the power. All right. But but we but we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna uh, get the power, and then we're gonna go to uh, church with uh, Reverend Billy mm-hmm. uh, in the next half hour. Uh, but uh, we got time for the power before the uh, ID? No. We got like 30 seconds. Oh, the song is far longer than 30 you know, seconds. You, know, he you can t- say it now. I mean, it's within a minute of the top okay, of the hour. So you can right. just say it now, and then I can play it. That's, let's do that's that. Good. Okay, you're listening to WRCR AM 1700 uh, and uh, WRCR.com. Tough times with Lou Young. Uh, we are... Uh, 
live on this uh, December 17th from uh, our Garnerville studios. And we welcome your phone calls. And we welcome your phone calls at 845-429-1700. And uh, we got the power. Американская фирма Transceptor Technology приступила к производству компьютеров «Персональный спутник». Tough Times with Lou Young, WRCR, AM 1700, WRCR.com. And uh, we'll be getting ready for church now, Earth Church with Reverend Billy. Uh, this uh, week, he's got uh, some uh, local flavor. Local flavor being that uh, he uh, has uh, audio from uh, Angela Davis's appearance uh, here in Rockland County, that controversial appearance that uh, people who thought her mere utterances would... Uh, would uh, cause some sort of issue, and uh, but she came, she uttered, and we're all still here. All right, here's the Reverend. Well, panic attack, panic attack. This is Reverend Billy. I'm here at the Earth Riot Radio microphone. The church has stopped shopping in New York City. Love to have you in the church today. The Earth Church, your friendly little Earth Church waiting for you. A little green grotto of radicalism. Hey, hey, we've got a green space in the middle of the East Village called the East River Park. It's along the river there. Beautiful. Lots of hundreds of thousands of people use it every year. It's, it's got a soccer field. It's got forests. It's got a thousand trees. It's wonderful. It's being clear-cut, clear-cut by people who want to make money from it. Real estate people, Wall Street people, they really are mindless, aren't they? They are mindless. They're trying to put a distance between us and the earth. They're trying to put a yardstick there, trying to put some measurement there to keep the earth away the earth is in a box 
and we go over and uh, give it charity money every once in a while. We go over, we go over and pray on it every once in a while. What do we do? They want the earth to be uh, just another issue among issues. They want to be able to compromise whenever they need to make money, 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 money. But no, our yardstick is made of water. We can't keep the earth away because we are the earth. Yes, you and I. Can you feel that? Those walls, those measurements, those are false. Those dollars, those miles, that's, that's artificial. The earth is everywhere. It's streaming in and out of us. The Trumpian wall, it won't work. The earth is everywhere. The earth is everywhere. It's you and me. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah today. Simone, we turn to a remarkable scene that unfolded last night just north of New York City in Nyack, New York, in Rockland County. This is how the Journal News reported it. Quote, Activist and educator Angela Davis came to Rockland after all Thursday evening, meeting with North Rockland teens and hundreds of others after a planned school-sponsored event unraveled amidst criticism that she was too radical for the county and its children. The event finally took place at Pilgrim Baptist Church, with 500 people crowded in. There was no prior publicity, a strategic move, organizers said, after the North Rockland School District and then quietly St. Thomas Aquinas College in Spark Hill pulled out of hosting the civil rights activists because of protests. When Davis appeared, before she reached the podium, her audience burst into applause and gave her a standing ovation. Angela Davis was introduced by North Rockland High School senior Anaya Willis with the student group Voice that invited Angela Davis to speak. The fact that we are able to stand and sit here today and fight for what we believe in, even if people are afraid of change, is an amazing thing because it shows that we can overcome anything if we all just put our minds to it. the powerful Angela Davis herself, I'm no longer accepting things I cannot change. I'm changing things I cannot accept. 
When Angela Davis addressed the packed church, she said she was especially moved by the student's invitation to speak in Rockland County because it was the longtime home of her dear friend and editor, the late great novelist Toni Morrison, who wrote the introduction to her biography, which has just been republished in a new edition. Davis talked about her history of activism and her hope for the future. But I think every day about the fact that I am associated with a people who have refused to give up after centuries and centuries. Not only that, not only that, but who have created beauty in the process of struggling.
raged yesterday as thousands of tree people crossed the Hudson, establishing beachheads along the West Side Highway, planting trees, and then disappearing into the Greenwich Village area, uh, uh, apparently taken in by sympathetic local residents. Police are trying to keep the so-called earthers from reaching the crowds of animal humans. Animal humans are occupying uh, the Great Meadow in Central Park as I speak. Bird people were observed by police landing in the Bronx and west uh, from the Far Rockaways in Brooklyn. Now the mayor has asked the administration in Washington to declare earthers as terrorists. They want them to say that parents need to keep their children home. Bird and fish and trees should not be invited into our homes. The tornado uh, storms that have hovered over New Jersey in recent years seem to have given the fish people cover. They seized Liberty Island and Ellis Island late last night. The, the Coast Guard tells us uh, they're having difficulties in approaching the landmarks with their landing vehicles. Now, the refineries on the outskirts of Newark have not been online since a three-pronged attack by bird, fish, and forest people in early April. A reporter invited to tour the facilities found the oil storage tanks covered with rare vines. Experiments in oil reclamation use fossil fuel-eating bacteria. The old power plants are surrounded by armed police. However, the police are in turn surrounded by more citizens, some of them in the illegal nature costumes. Now, they were once considered earthers, were once considered an eccentric fringe element in the environmental movement. The earthers' flocks and schools and moving forests briefly seized control of London last month, forcing biosystems over human social systems. This is not a new idea. Not a new social observers trace influences to Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds and to Edward Abbey's The Monkey Wrench Gang. The problem, officials insist, is the infiltration now of the teachers' union. All biology teachers in high schools are now held in the famous rubber rooms in the school buildings. Natural scientists in the universities are also reporting detentions and interrogations. The Audubon Society and the Natural Resources Defense Council insist that they've never talked to the earthers, never. Bird people were, however, uh, photographed on the roof of the Audubon Society's headquarters in downtown New York. Infiltration of environmentalist organizations by the earthers is widely suspected by the police. That was Reverend Billy channeling Orson Welles <laughs> in a fantasy. Hello, welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. The COP15 biodiversity talks have begun in Montreal, Canada. Host country President Justin Trudeau is the single world leader attending the conference. Ahead of the meeting, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres slammed multinational corporations for turning the world's ecosystems into playthings of profit and warned failure to correct course would lead to catastrophic results. With our bottomless appetite for unchecked and unequal economic growth, humanity has become a weapon of mass extinction. About 2,500 seals have been found dead on the Caspian Sea coast in southern Russia, officials said on Sunday. Regional officials initially reported on Saturday that 700 dead seals had been found on the coast, 
but the Russian Ministry of Natural Resources and Environment later raised the figure to 2,500. Authorities in the Russian province of Dagestan said it was unclear why the mass deaths happened, but that it was likely due to natural causes. Data about the number of seals in the Caspian vary widely. The fisheries agency has said the overall number of Caspian seals is 275,000, while the Caspian Environmental Protection Center put the number at 70,000. Caspian seals are currently classified as endangered. Waste from fracking wells that used PFAS, commonly known as forever chemicals, has been dumped at dozens of sites across Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, all of which could face contamination of soil, groundwater, and drinking water as a result. PFAS have been used in hydraulic fracturing and other types of oil and gas wells across the U.S. for at least a decade. Exposure to the chemicals, which are also used to make various consumer products non-stick and waterproof, is linked to health problems including kidney and testicular cancer, liver and thyroid problems, reproductive problems, lowered vaccine efficacy in children, and increased risk of birth defects, among others. Regulatory loopholes and a lack of transparency make it impossible to know how extensively the chemicals have been used in oil and gas production. PFAS have been found in private drinking wells near fracking sites. Artists all over the world, regardless of their gender, earn considerably less than professionals in occupations requiring similar levels of education and qualifications. Artists who are female earn even less. In an analysis of gender differences in the incomes of professional artists, it was found that creative incomes of women were 30% less than those of men. This is true even after allowing for differences in such things as hours worked, education and training, and time spent in childcare. A new report has warned that the majority of puffin nesting sites in Western Europe are likely to be lost by the end of the century due to climate breakdown. Other seabirds will also be affected unless urgent action to limit global heating is taken, with razorbills and arctic terns forecast to lose 80% and 87% of their breeding grounds respectively, owing to reduced food accessibility and prolonged periods of stormy weather. An international team led by scientists at the University of Delaware found that the Arctic Ocean grew 50% more acidic from 1996 to 2020, changing three times faster than the rest of the ocean. Melting sea ice has exposed the top level of the Arctic Ocean to air rich with carbon dioxide, creating a layer that sopped up carbon from the atmosphere. Increased acidity may hamper the ability of marine organisms to build their shells, causing ripple effects through the Arctic food web. Agriculture is responsible for around 10% of U.S. emissions and a quarter of emissions globally. An estimated 133 billion tons of carbon, roughly a fourth of all carbon emitted by humans since the Industrial Revolution has been lost from soils. Industrial-scale fishermen will no longer be able to use two types of shark fishing gear in the western and central Pacific Ocean after the international body in charge of tuna fisheries there agreed to ban the devices. The measure adopted last week at the annual meeting of the Western and Central Pacific Fisheries Commission is seen as a major and potentially precedent-setting win for conservationists who say urgent action is needed to stave off extinction for many shark populations. Shark numbers in the open ocean have plunged by an estimated 71% in the past half century, with humans thought to kill 100 million of the animals each year.
Adolescent cannabis use has increased by 245% in the U.S. since 2000. At the same time, rates of alcohol abuse have declined among those aged between 6 and 18 years. In 2000, alcohol was in the top spot, compiled from a U.S. national poisons database. Alcohol now sits in third place. Prescription drugs rank second. Astronomers have found a gigantic galaxy about 3 billion light years away. Alcyonius is a giant radio galaxy reaching 5 megaparsecs into space. That's 16.3 million light years long, and it constitutes the largest known structure of galactic origin. Playing piano increases people's ability to process multi-sensory information, or sight and sound. Improved multi-sensory processing has benefits for almost every activity humans participate in, from driving a car and crossing a road to finding someone in a crowd or watching television. These multi-sensory improvements extended beyond musical abilities. With musical training, people's audiovisual processing became more accurate across other tasks. Participants also had reduced depression, anxiety, and stress scores after musical training compared to before it. The authors suggest that music training could be beneficial for people with mental health difficulties, and further research is currently underway to test this. And now, the sounds of extinction. Outdoor music festivals could be responsible for contaminating local rivers with recreational drugs and messing with the life cycle of endangered eels, according to new research. Scientists at Bangor University in Wales collected water from the White Lake River in Somerset following the UK's Glastonbury Festival and found worrying levels of both MDMA and cocaine. The researchers tested the river upstream and downstream of the festival site in the weeks before, during, and after the festival. MDMA was detected at environmentally damaging levels, according to their paper, while levels of cocaine were high enough to impact the local population of European eel, a dwindling species that's critically endangered and at high risk of extinction. European eels exposed to concentrations of cocaine experienced disruption of their endocrine system, which caused delayed sexual maturation. Many eels spent longer in their glass eel phase than they would regularly. This disrupted their breeding rates. And hear the sound of a distant music festival. I know our audience is uh, anxious to share questions and I'll encourage them to go ahead and start sharing questions through the Q&A feature. Uh, again, we may answer your question during the, the course of the first part of our conversation. So uh, just kind of be, be patient with us and bear with us. Um, so let's start with our first question, Dr. Davis. Uh, the idea of freedom is inspiring, but what does it mean? What is your vision of freedom and how might this freedom be realized? Well, thank you very much. Um, and I would um, first like to say thank you for inviting me. 
to participate in your Black History Month celebration. And I know that um, you're experiencing very difficult times in Texas and in San, San Antonio. Uh, so, you know, let me um, express my solidarity with you as you attempt to address a whole range of, of, of interconnected uh, issues, including climate change and the catastrophe that you're currently experiencing. Um, freedom um, seems like a simple concept. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I read a, a book by uh, Orlando Patterson called Slavery and Social Death uh, some years ago. I've read it a couple of times. I, I've taught it as well. And in that study of of slavery, he argues that the concept that we know as freedom um, connected with Western notions of democracy and rights uh, uh, can probably be traced to the yearnings of, of an enslaved person who was yearning uh, to be free. Uh, so his argument is that the whole Western notion of freedom uh, more than likely has its origins uh, in the unfreedom of people who have been enslaved. Um, I like the concept of freedom because it can't be defined in a straightforward way. Uh, and my own sense of freedom has expanded and become more capacious uh, as time has passed, I, as I've been involved in various struggles and as I've witnessed that in the very process of struggling for freedom, one becomes aware of dimensions uh, that one has not yet addressed. Uh, you know, I like um, a comment that Toni Morrison made in a, a commencement address. I think it was for Barnard College many years ago. And, and she said, freedom is about freeing someone else. That, that freedom cannot be contained within a, a paradigm that's that is, is, is individualistic. One cannot be free alone. Freedom is collective. But freedom is about uh, uh, transforming conditions so that communities uh, might uh, uh, be able to live uh, lives that are in more habitable conditions, uh, I would say. Now it has begun. The storm has finally come. The water and the wind. Now it has begun. Is this some kind of war? The sea won't say a word, the weatherman's up for. Now it has begun. The storm has finally come. My neighbor's in the street. It rushes like a stream. You're caught in it waist deep. What an energized retreat. Do you think you can compete? tragedy now it has begun the storm has finally come the 
drowning and the dead. Now it has begun. My breath is out of reach. Death makes its final speech. Did this storm come from me? Did this storm come from me? Now I know the truth. The waves break on the roof. Where is my higher ground? It's down there with my town. I'm praying round and round. Am I living to be found? A body in the sound. Running round and round. Now it has begun. The storm has finally come. The sea begins to speak. Turn, she says, face me. Now it has begun. Take me to the deep. Take me to the deep. Take me to the deep. And I'm the Reverend. I'm here to say so long for now. How are you? Angela Davis, thank you for your teaching, bringing us together, concepts of peace and freedom and even beauty, joining with your your uprising of racial justice and the representation for women. Beautiful Earth is that song that was created by most of the Stop Shopping Choir. Francisco Benitez, Savitri D, Eric Johnson on drums, Kai, Ariella, just a sunder. Chopin Narayan, thank you for the storm. Savitri D, news from the natural world. Fans of Earth Riot Radio know, know, know about Savitri's reporting. Earth Riot Radio, that, that has the Earth Riot Radio inside the Earth Riot Radio. It's, it's, a, it's a section of a book that we published that Apocalypse, the Earthers, Jason Candler, editor uh, and saxophonist. Brendan Burke on drums. Well, now you can reach us if you want the record with all of our songs, eight of our songs that you hear on Earth Right Radio a lot. Rev Billy, R E V Billy.com. Just ask for the record. We'll find out how to send it to you. Um, and just communicate with us. Here we are at the holiday season. We're kind of. Despite the fact we live in the middle of New York, we are community people. We'd like to be in direct contact with the radio station communities, with the people who download on computers. Please, please have a good, safe, wild weekend. Amen. Earthalooya. WRCR AM 1700. <laughs> that was uh, Eco Riot Radio. On Tough Times with Lou Young, the podcast within a podcast. <laughs> because, you know, Reverend Billy has his podcast, and that was a podcast, and we play it inside of our podcast. And where can you find our podcast, Will Hennessy? Uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Podcast Casts, <laughs> Radio Public, and Stitcher. 
apparently. Uh, where else can't you? Where, where can't you find it? I don't know. YouTube. <laughs> Look okay, for tough times. There you go. So that's uh, uh, that was a fascinating episode of uh, yes. the riot. I thought. Uh, you right. know, we don't always play the whole uh, his whole mm-hmm. broadcast, but I thought that one was particularly good. He had uh, Angela Davis there twice, mm-hmm. and the first uh, section with her was uh, right from uh, from Amy Goodman's uh, Democracy Now. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Nyack. From Nyack. Well, yeah. Nyack. Well, you know, we made uh, big news nationally from in. You know, uh, Superintendent uh, Filosoa was working with the students from Voice to come up with what they wanted was a provocative um, speaker, and they got one. And when the pl- arrangements had all been made, uh, right down to the last minute, a, a group of, uh, uh, of, of residents in the ta- local taxpayers, I guess, in the town residents, uh, came to the school board meeting in the, when the event was being publicized and spoke against it, from what I understand, 30 or so residents came to a school board meeting and spoke very strongly against the idea of inviting her after the arrangements had been made and she had been secured. And then they reversed their decision, you know. So it shows you free speech issues are not something far away. They happen right here, locally. Uh, I was against the idea of it, of it being canceled because they were canceling her before they even knew what she was going to say. And now I think we, that's a we, bad precedent to do. We, you know? heard, we heard her twice there. Yeah. Uh, uh, first from Nyack, and then a, a second was an excerpt from... Uh, uh, a, um, uh, a Black History Month uh, yeah. presentation in yeah. San Antonio, Texas. Right. And uh, I didn't hear anything, no, we hear anything that was uh, yeah. particularly disturbing. Or well, from what I read, people were concerned that, that he would, she would indoctrinate the students. I and mean, we're talking about events here that happened in 1970, over 50 years ago. A woman's almost 80 now. And I was saying that, you know, they read about her in the history. I mean, there's probably a paragraph or two in their history books about Angela Davis. What an opportunity to get to meet her and ask her questions. And students have to, they're young adults. They have to think for themselves, develop critical thinking skills. It doesn't mean that whatever they hear, they're going to adopt or be, quote, unquote, indoctrinated. And I think it's more indoctrinating to serve the lesson of saying, well, when somebody complains or is loud at a school board meeting, we reverse our decision and we yield to the bully in the room. I think that's another type of indoctrination that I think is a lesson learned there, too. And I'm glad that the Baptist Church in Nyack was able to invite her to come and speak. And many of those same students who would have seen her in North Rockland went went to Nyack and got a chance to hear her speak. So good for them. How many, uh, if I may ask a question, how many people at that specific meeting were in support of her speaking at the event, as opposed to the 30 or 40 people? So I think the people who came were, were, yeah. were coming to speak against it. I don't think okay. it was the other side. I don't, I don't think it was you know, known that they were going to go necessarily do you come think, do you controversy think if, at the meeting. Do you yeah. think if there was a more organized... Um, support movement you know obviously voice was in support and yeah, established this together yeah. but do you think if they organized a similar like go to the meeting and, and talk about how much they want her there that yeah. that would have yeah, but, cemented you know, that the students didn't board. come to that meeting and, supposedly and, and, yeah. and here's an idea too you might be want you might want to hear right uh her i mean i would mm-hmm. want to hear her yeah. but mm-hmm. do you, you you don't want to necessarily um, uh, get up in public and, and, and seem to uh, pre-endorse whatever she's mm. going to say because you right. don't know what she's right. going to say yet. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the issue. You know, you always listening. That's yeah. the whole, you know, yeah. so th- there you yeah, go. Yeah, so that's the, that's the thing. Is li- and I'm saying, well, what happens next? You know, when somebody complains about what's in a textbook or, 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 oh, well, or, other, kinds of, or other kinds of issues, that's yeah, true. that come up and all of a sudden uh, we can't talk about those things either. You know, those things. You know, are, it reminds me. Of um, uh, you know, remember Ron Howard was going to direct the remake of the Alamo, mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, you remember the the the, the 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 history, the the myth of the Alamo, 
uh, yeah. re- reads a certain way. And then there's the reality of the Alamo, mm-hmm. uh, which was also it was a, a, yeah. a, a valiant stand. A yeah. but it, but it's it, it's a little bit different than than the myth really we read. Yeah. And and the the key part is at the end where it appears that uh, Davy Crockett survived the battle and was killed afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there were some witnesses to that. That was uncovered fairly recently some, through some documents that were unearthed. So he didn't die at the Alamo? Well, he died at the Alamo but but afterwards. A- after the battle. I see. And, and, but the accounts of it were that, you know, as anybody would, he pleaded for his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean and, and I'm not going <laughs> to... Mm, yeah. right? But that doesn't go with the, with the, with the myth of going down swinging your rifle, right? right? right. So um, uh, Ron Howard, um, the, uh, my understanding, and I, I, I would be happy to be corrected on this, but Ron Howard was going to direct the movie, ended up producing it, letting somebody else direct it. Because when you see the remake, mm-hmm. um, uh, they have him surviving the battle and confronting Santa Ana, but he, uh, but he is defiant until the end, until they bayonet him. Mm-hmm. And I believe they did, they did bayonet him to mm-hmm. death. I see. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, and I think his last words are, I'm going to warn you, I'm a screamer. You know, <laughs> and, and it was Billy Bob Thornton. But I think his last words were, you only understand I'm a former congressman, you can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're raising a good point about how yeah. we learn history. The myth of history oftentimes yeah. is uncovered, and then people don't want to hear the myth of history. They want to hear what they believe to no, be people the, want to. the lie we tell to ourselves. We talk about lies a lot. People want I mean, to hang on to the myth. Yeah, and you know, it's part myth and part history, and it also depends on who reports it oftentimes, <laughs> as far as my experience and, and, with and history. Some, and yeah. some myths are okay even when we know they're myths. So yeah. like, like the... Uh, the uh, um, Benjamin Franklin discovering electricity with the kite and the key. Well, did he? Is that not true? I thought it wasn't. I, I think Maybe he did some experiments wrong. with that. Well, yeah. any, well I mean, that's, that, that's yeah. not particularly controversial. No, no. I'm pretty but, sure they uh, proved uh, on Mythbusters it would have killed him. But. <laughs> oh, the, you're, the, you're um, using Mythbusters now? <laughs> <laughs> the flag planting at Iwo Jima. Yeah, all oh, right. The, right. The photograph. Right. Which famous is, photograph. Which is not By what Rosenthal. it appears to be. I mean, it is guys planting a flag. But they're planting a flag, having taken down the original flag, and they went up there. It to was a retake. It. What? I think it was basically a retake from it what was, I read. No, no it was. In other words, they had it done was, it. It was a they'd... replacement flag. They, oh. they they went up there after the battle was largely yeah. over for the for Mount yeah. Suribachi. and uh, and and because an admiral said, "I want that flag. Take this battle. That was a big battle battleship flag. battle flag." Take this up and put that up there and there and bring that other flag back to me. That's what what the admiral said. Mm-hmm. And they went up there and they planted it and they and they made know, a great photograph though. And these guys came up and said, "Hey, <laughs> hey, Frank, come over here. Give me a hand with this flag, all right?" And that's what that was. They weren't particularly under fire. They hadn't just right. subdued the enemy. But it was very symbolic. But it was. But it's just a great image. A great image. And, and sometimes the image is more more powerful than the reality. Photography. Because nobody actually got the uh, actual planting of the original flag during the battle. So yeah. there you go. Well, photography is very strong that way there we go so there we go there's something to be said about people's i don't know we we take so as as human beings in general we take a lot of pride in in like heritage stuff and when you're Mm -hmm. told like oh there's there's all these great people in history that you can actually be super proud that that came before you and in actuality they weren't as human um, beings you know perfect as we as we prop them up to be a lot of people are very um 
in denial about mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. unfortunate, sad fact that it is what it is. There's good and bad about everybody. Mm-hmm. That's and, true. Uh, and people right. are and coming also, to accept that. I think or it's not. important also that the bad doesn't cancel out the good. I mean, I was, uh, Will and I were talking about it earlier. Even Richard Nixon did a lot of good things on top of the things that with Watergate it wasn't the total definition of who he was. Even though I didn't agree with him on a lot of political things, he accomplished a lot of things as a president, too. You know what I'm saying? It's not, EPA and, EPA. you know. You know, relations with China and a bunch of things. So we can't just totally cancel out the things that they did good when we find something they didn't do that was so great. I think people are human and they're made up of good and bad. We have to accept that. And if you're looking for perfect people, you're going to be looking a long time. It's the myth that you're talking about, right? It's the. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Like, well, gosh. Andrew Jackson on the twenty dollar bill. Right. How long we've we been looking I at mean, it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that guy was a little more massacred uh, all the Indians. That yeah. guy. That guy. Uh, Native had, had some issues. That but, guy. I don't even know if you can really counteract that with like a good yeah. one, other than the fact that like he was a president at some point. There's yeah. like there like. I don't have anything else other than the trail of tears that comes to my head okay, when somebody says tear- Andrew Jackson. There was a thing where um, uh, during uh, the Texas War for Independence, mm-hmm. um, uh, he had the U.S. Army on the border mm-hmm. uh, ready to go in and never pulled the trigger on it because he knew better than to start uh, you know, uh, another war, war. With, uh, okay. w- 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 with Mexico. He didn't want to do that. Right. So, so he gets credit for, for restraint on that credit for not starting a war tight awesome <laughs> for, for not well for you know it wasn't he the one that for Trump, not doing Trump some... put on his desk and he replace somebody with oh yeah, for, yeah. well I'll tell you Andrew this. Jackson and did he get rid of Lincoln or what here's a, sto- here's a story when early on election day the, the, in uh, 2016 was when Trump got elected right yeah. originally yeah yeah, yeah I, was, I was working and and everybody was um uh was was presuming that uh, that uh, uh, Clinton was going to win Hillary and then a when lot it, of people thought she was going to win we got the, including herself but we got the the indications fairly early on that that uh, that it uh, wasn't going it, as expected it, it wasn't going as expected they yeah. did not Pokemon go to the polls <laughs> well you know so uh, so I remember going around and I remember interviewing Rudy Giuliani uh-huh. who wow the, uh, who at that point was our uh, our respected former was mayor still sane yeah well he, well he was you know he was, he was still fairly well thought of back then. Yeah. And I remember him saying, really? He's winning? <laughs> and he goes, it's like Andrew Jackson. Yeah. I mean, remember he said that. Wow. You know, so... Oh, that's, um, uh, that's what he said to you? That's yeah. what he said... Oh, publicly. Remarking, just remarking oh. to the air, you know? Oh, 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 oh. It's like Andrew Jackson. So he compared... Uh, hmm. Donald J. Trump to Andrew Jackson uh, on Election Day. Oh, okay. Well, there gives you some uh, idea of where we went after that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he's an interesting. I mean, he, if you look at Giuliani specifically, I mean, he was never president, but he was, the, you know, the former mayor. Like, mm-hmm. he did a lot of stuff in his yeah. day as a lawyer against the mafia. And like he there was up, something uh, Times Square. I mean, originally, mafia. like now, I mean, like he's literally a clown with melting makeup, but yeah. like. Yeah. You know, look at what I, he did I, back in the day. I there is that. The, the, Will, you wouldn't know what New York City Times Square looked like in oh, the 1970s, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he, do- he had some measure on that. A lot of those forces were in pro- were in motion but before he took office. But he, he did a good job. Yeah. Uh, I especially liked his first term. And then uh, in his second term, he started to go off the rails. You were a lot more familiar with it because you worked uh, oh, every day. Oh, I, I did. And, yeah. You know, and and uh, and I, I was a I was a big fan of his when he yeah. was a, a prosecutor. Yeah. Um. Uh. uh but uh, uh, <laughs> the thing that finally I finally broke with him it was after nine eleven when uh-huh. he tried to extend his term. Oh. Not not first he tried to figure out how to run for a third term and he couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And then he said, well, you know, it, it's too. 
complicated now. We shouldn't. We should change. We should probably uh, delay the election or something like that. I mean, and I said we didn't do that during World War II. We're not doing it. You know, interesting. Like we can't live without you as mayor. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, we got a little preview there of of what we're Rudy, the new Rudy. (laughs) That impulse. That that was a very dark, very uh, Mm. democratic impulse. And I said, I think I'm done with you. Interesting. I think Mm. I'm done with you. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Plus, I like. Plus, I liked his. uh, I was very. I am very fond of his uh, first wife. Uh, oh, oh you okay? So she's. Uh, so were there other people that you met in the news in the news who world was, who were very different from what we think they were like? <laughs> um, Come on, tell us a couple of stories, Lou. What do you mean? You met a lot of people when you were working. Yeah, I mean, what, no, so were there I, people that were very different privately than they were publicly? In, go on, Lou. Off, you're retired. Off mic. <laughs> well, everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Nothing really specific comes to mind. I, I can't. Any anybody. You said is too Clint broad. Eastwood one time, but I, I remember. I that's met good. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. <laughs> I know you told me that. Story. God, he was hammered. He was hammered, <laughs> but he was nice. He he had, he had done that uh, that movie um, about the jet the jet uh, Firefox. It was called Firefox. Mm. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and they sent me to interview him. Uh, because uh, uh, his films were being inducted. Back then, they were treating the films and and, and, and saving them to, mm-hmm. for, for preservation. Archival, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is before digital, right? Yeah, right, yeah. right. So they were actually getting the film out and bathing it in chemicals oh, and, wow. you know, and, and restoring them, and it was a big project, and he was uh, uh, a, a fan of that, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, they were they were honoring him for, at some dinner. Silver Halo. And, and he was being driven around town in a limousine, <laughs> And uh, he had already had a, a bunch of cocktails by the time I met him. But he, he was yeah. very gracious, very nice. Good interview. It, it was a good interview. And he didn't stumble. And he signed, uh, he signed a picture for my, uh, for my father. Oh, very nice. Yeah. That's Clint. Nice. Clint did. So he was a nice guy. Make my day. Um, you know, who was, who was good? Uh, uh, yeah, Come on, of, you met a lot of people. Come on. I did, but I can't say, you know. I, I'll put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Dish. Well, why we wandered away? Ah, yeah. We wandered away from the uh, from the, off the reservation. You had mentioned earlier mm-hmm. uh, there was a song there about uh, McCarthyism. McCarthyism, because we brought up about McCarthyism during the mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. during. Well, that's what the uh, the the podcast is called. The Earth Riot Radio episode right. we just said is called the New McCarthyism right. versus Radical and Beauty. Amy and, and that, re- that relates to the to the mm-hmm. uh, Angela, Angela Davis, Davis. thing. Right. And for people who 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 don't, I, I didn't mean, live through McCarthyism, but well, I could only imagine. Well, McCarthyism was, like. was Senator Joe McCarthy. Yes, right. early fifties. W- was the guy who who uh, accused everybody of being a communist. Practically turned the country upside down, looking yeah. for communists. He like pioneered the Red yeah. Scare, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Red Scare, yeah. um, just accusing people of communism. Yeah, ruined their careers. I remember, I remember my grandmother. God rest her soul. Uh, uh, would talk to my mother about somebody, and she says, "Well, what about so and so?" And my grandmother said, "She looks like a communist." Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Looks yeah. like a uh, yeah, what? Yeah, That's what know. they were you know, doing to people, though. <laughs> she looks like a communist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, that was then. It goes, and I have information here that you know you once, uh, you know, looked at a, a cross-eyed at a communist uh, poster once when you were on the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. would they would they would come after you. The House uh, Un-American Activities. That's right. You know, and they declare you un-American. Right. Yeah. For being too far like left. Pete Seeger was uh, banned for like 17 years. Yes, yeah. P- Pete Seeger and uh, others. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, who was it? Uh, the the playwright. 
Oh. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. The one that... Oh, are you... When I get Alzheimer's, how will I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's one thing about forgetting your keys, and there's another thing forgetting what keys are, so you'll know. <laughs> um, in any event... Uh, the, the, but the, so you were talking... The playwright, yeah. There's a song about McCarthyism that, that, that we'll remember. What, what's it, what is it? It's called Exhuming McCarthy. Oh. Exhuming. It was written in the 80s, critical of the Reagan administration for exhuming McCarthyism. Uh, Ah, uh, mm-hmm. uh, may, may, may we hear it? You want to? You, you sure. want to? Uh, anyway, while while you're listening to this, uh, the the number is eight four five four two nine seventeen hundred. Obviously, we'd love to talk to you because we're just uh, killing Talking time to ourselves. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Join yeah, our play, conversation. Play the song. Play the song. Well. Yeah. 
Zooming McCarthy, R.E.M. Well, what year would 80 what? 87. 87. R.E.M. There we go. And uh, we were, Dalton Trumbo was the guy, the name I was trying to remember. Mm. I had to look it up. Dalton Trumbo, who, uh, who wrote uh, a lot of great uh, screenplays, including uh, the classic 30 Seconds Over Tokyo. Remember? Mm. About uh, the uh, Doolittle Raids. Okay. And... Um, but uh, had been a member of the American Communist Party mm-hmm. and therefore was blacklisted, although he did write uh, under pseudonyms mm-hmm. and I believe was involved in the, uh, the script of Spartacus, right? Uh, I'm not sure. I'd have to look that up. Yeah, that, that famous scene at the end where they, they, they you know, uh, who is Spartacus? I am Spartacus. Everybody stands mm-hmm. up and everybody's Spartacus. So mm-hmm. that, that was like a resistance to that kind of tyranny. Mm-hmm. Represented by McCarthyism, mm-hmm. and uh, who was yeah. who was it that said patriotism is the last refuge of the scoundrel? Was that um, oh, Benjamin God. Franklin? Well, it's we a great can look. Quote. We have the sum of all human knowledge at our fingertips. I know. So we can look it up. I know. Yeah, yeah. All but right? that that was you know sort of some things up. Some people think they're a lot more patriotic. They wear more flags. They you know they wave more flags. But I think we have to get to the values of what we really believe. All that stands for. What well, is this? You know, you know? I'll tell you, I had a whole thing about, I was, we were talking about uh, patriotism. Uh, uh, I was at a Christmas party, mm-hmm. and, and somebody <laughs> was talking about uh, how people don't take care of the flags and how uh, um, it, it doesn't, they don't know how to take care of flags. Right. And uh, they, the, those things used to be illegal. In other words, you used to have oh, yeah. to follow uh, the, uh, certain procedures uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and practices yes. using a flag. But the law that governed that was declared unconstitutional mm-hmm. um, oh. when um, somebody was, was prosecuted for burning the flag in protest. Samuel Johnson apparently said that. Oh, Samuel was, Johnson. Okay. Yeah, good quote. So um, the, uh, the U.S. flag code is just now a guideline. You can't, it's not, doesn't have the force of law. Mm-hmm. But um, well, they make clothing. I mean, out if of it, it did, a lot of people would get arrested oh, for some of those go. bumper but you, you're stickers. You're not allowed to put it on, clo- but make clothing out of it. You're not allowed to write on it in any way, shape, or form. So these memorial flags with uh, with uh, names written on them, right? The defacing uh, the flag, basically. The, the yeah. thin blue line flag the th- and the red one, exactly. The red one They're not official flags. You um, know? Uh, there was a there was a thing over in Hartsdale, I think, that they uh, people didn't they raise some objection? Yeah, they used yeah. it as a ceremony. It doesn't belong in a ceremony. It's not an American. Flag. It's not an American flag, and 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 if the um, flag code, uh, if that law had not been struck down, would be illegal. Right. Um, uh, it's if, like my American flag versus your American flag. We don't want that. We, yeah, we're all supposed to be in this. If together. it's if it's on a vehicle, yeah. it, it must be according to the U- U.S. flag code on the left front fender. Oh, huh. all right, all right, oh. not. Not on the window, not hanging off the yeah, back yeah, of the yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. got to be on the left front fender. That's the only place an American flag goes oh, on a vehicle. Huh. So um, be lit at night. There's a bunch of. I've different... got to be lit at night. Yeah. Uh, certain flags are, are, you know, all. all are you saying all that's that doesn't shot the window? It does, well, it's not. It doesn't have the force of law because of you law. have the right to do whatever you want with a flag that you've purchased, uh, uh, even if it's free speech or you, you know you can't. You can burn it, obviously. Even if you, you can, you can do whatever yeah, you want with yeah. it. But, but um, burning uh, is the only way to get rid of it, right? Yeah, yeah, you can't ceremonial throw it in the garbage. burning. Yeah, yeah. Well, you not have to, like ceremonially. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. um, according to the flag code, which is right. just a guide, right. which is just a guide now. Which yeah. you know, 
Sure. I did okay. that. You know, for instance, my, I was out at my mom's house in Florida, and uh, she had a, has a flag out. And the flag was, re- you know, it was yeah, tattered. So I, yeah. I took it down. I got her a new one. Mm. I took the old one, and I folded it up, and I said, let, let, take it to the v, uh, VFW, the American right. Legion. Right. And there's usually a little thing like a mailbox. Like a mailbox you put it you in. You put the flag in the mailbox, and they will take care dispose of, of it in yeah. a ceremony. I don't know if yeah, you've yeah. ever seen yeah, it. No, I've seen them. I've never yeah. seen it, but my dad's talked about it. He was in the Marines for 30 yeah. years, so he's very yeah. passionate about the flag codes sure. and stuff. And so he knows all about that. So He's you, the one who told me You about treat that. the flag as a living with thing. With respect. Right. With respect, yeah. And yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't belong to any political uh, persuasion. Yeah. Yeah, it's it not supposed uh, to. It's ours. That's right. It's ours. The United it's all of ours. States there we go. It's, it's ours. This yeah. is what it's supposed to be. That's that. So um, I agree. We're, uh, we're down here toward, yeah, uh, approaching the end. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, God, we managed to, to jabber our way through a whole traveled. half hour, and mm-hmm. all this other stuff I got here, we'll just have to wait for another oh, uh, uh, for another uh, uh, show. Uh, mm-hmm. This is the last live show of the uh, year for us. Mm-hmm. We um, we will take uh, next week, which is Christmas uh, weekend mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. and uh, the following weekend, which is New Year's weekend mm-hmm. off. We may rerun a show on one of those, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, but we'll be back. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? What's the, what date? Today, well, next week, what that day would be? January I think 7th. the seventh. Yeah. Yeah, the seventh. So we'll be and back the on the seventh, and, and we've got some some idea. What are the things we're working on, George? Well, the fourteenth, we have we're still working on the seventh, but the fourteenth, we're going to have a very interesting show with uh, the president of Riverkeeper uh, to talk about the Army Corps of Engineers plans. You know, they had proposed some plans to build a seawall, if you don't know, down in New York Harbor. Uh, at the mouth had, of the harbor. At yeah. the mouth of the harbor, and we had John Litscomb on the show back in May, and John really identified a lot of the ecological problems with a river that flows both ways and the fish and everything else and how this was a bad idea. But he says it wasn't almost, it wasn't always the, the, the Army Corps' fault because they were given a mandate to to uh, to address uh, storm surge. Yeah. And he said sea level rise is also part of it. So the actual definition of the task, he said, was a flawed and that they need to re-examine this before they proceed. And so the comment period is actually extended till March. So we're going to have a program in January uh, 14th, which is going to be very timely for us to let people know what yeah. Riverkeeper is saying and, and to maybe also contact the Army Corps with our views on what they should be doing in terms of a solution to deal with uh, the climate issues. Because if, you, if we spend billions of dollars to mm-hmm. block the mouth of the harbor, right. um, that's how the, the Hudson River gets to the ocean. That's right. So, uh, and sediments you, and everything else. Yeah, gets so you'll, be, the, you'll yeah. be blocking... Yeah. Let's say you close those gates, and how long do you keep them closed for? Right, right. So you're going to block a storm surge, but you're also blocking the river, meanwhile, is going to continue to flow and back up. So you could be causing flooding. Right. And then also, Jamaica Bay was part of that. There's other plans. There's about four or five or six different uh, plans, and uh, Riverkeeper has identified two that they believe are are going to be more effective, and they'd like people to support, you know, a better plan so we can uh, have something. But it's a big project anyway. It's going to take a while to construct, and uh, but we're going to talk about that on the 14th of January. So I think that's going to be a great show and uh, interesting conversation, and, and, and we'll have a lot to do with the future of how we uh, handle storm surge and, 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 and sea level rise on the Hudson River, of which we uh, is a big part of our our uh, area, our community. And yeah. then, uh, so, and, and keep in mind that all this is being caused by uh, uh, heightened uh, uh, weather activity yes. because of climate 
change. Yes. Uh, tipping point, which is out there at some point, which we don't know where it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know how deep the water is going to get mm-hmm. in the ocean, how much it's going to rise. Mm-hmm. We don't know how much water will fall out of the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, during Ida, mm-hmm. uh, I said, you know, where I live, eight and a half inches in a few hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that you know, <laughs> that's a lot of water. A lot of water. Um, uh, so those kinds of things are happening. Uh, and we're getting uh, we're getting storms now. Oh God, we just had uh, tornadoes outbreaks in uh, December. That yes. never that had never happened. No, before. and the strength and severity of them is not it's not that they're not happening, but the strength and severity of them are much higher. Okay. Yeah, yeah I should probably start playing the. Uh, yeah, start playing it. We yeah, gotta yeah. say goodbye. You don't. There you go. You don't need to <laughs> ask me. You just start playing it, and I hear the music. I just said and it. Then he knows okay, what to say. <laughs> thank anyway, you to everyone. Thank you to our guests. And thank you for our guests, uh, um, uh, Senator uh, uh, Rekha Milmuk, uh, uh, Liz, uh, Liz Moran, uh, Bill Madden, uh, Gordon Wren called in, Reverend Billy, Savage D, the Stop Shopping Choir, Assemblyman George. Everybody here. Everybody here. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Oh, not well. We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> Tough times with Lou Young. See you then.